This is Professional Life Crisis. I'm your host, Amanda. And by now, I'm a damn near professional at having a life crisis. Coming from the girl who bought a corporate-sized whiteboard, like legitimately the size they have on the wall in your office, to map out all her future career options, I know what an emotional roller coaster your early career can be. And I don't even like roller coasters. This podcast is here to help you get through those messy, uncertain times riddled with ramen noodles and self-doubt. If you're an ambitious, curious young professional trying to pave your way in the world, it's not as scary as I once thought it was but I really wish I'd had someone to tell me that. Wes, I'm so excited to have another chief of staff, ex-chief of staff on the podcast. And I'm especially excited to talk with you today about all things related to what even is the chief of staff role, talking about mental health in the workplace and how your mental health issues have impacted your experience at work, as well as your professional life crisis that I, I know is going to bring you down a completely new path and how all of your past experiences have laddered up to you making that decision or coming to that decision. So I'm, I'm really thankful that you came to have this discussion. Do you want to start by just introducing yourself? Like, tell us a little bit about who you are, what's your story, and then we'll talk all about what the chief of staff role is. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Wesley Braden. I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. Then I lived in Chicago for quite a while and I now live in Austin, Texas. And for my hobbies, I like reading. I've been trying to get into fly fishing and I also write fiction uh, aspirationally. I try to write fiction. So I'm working on a book. We'll see if I can get it published, self-published, whatever. But uh, That'd be amazing. I'll be the first person to pre-order it. There you go. I appreciate it. So that's me. I currently work as a contractor at two different startups. Previously to that, I was chief of staff at a startup. Wow, that sounds familiar. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, you know the drill. And previous to that, I was at Google in the sales and marketing world. Amazing. Okay. I would love for you to talk to us about what your chief of staff role experience was like. What were some of your main responsibilities as a chief of staff? I don't know about you, but when I was leaving consulting and trying to figure out what was next, I had never even heard about the chief of staff role. Um, I actually found out about it because I had interviewed with a startup for a separate role. And they came back to me and they said, we're actually going to hire someone else for that role, but we think you'd be an amazing chief of staff. And I was like, okay, cool. What's the chief of staff? <laughs> and so I didn't really know much about it. I didn't really look into it or, or really know how many resources there were available to find out like how to yeah. succeed in that kind of role or even what it was. So did you know what a chief of staff was when you were hired to be one or when you started looking for roles in this area? Yeah, that's a great question. I figured out what a chief of staff was when I was kind of job searching because what I was looking for when I left Google was... At the time, I thought that I wanted to start a company in the next like three years or so. And so I really wanted Also, familiar feeling. (laughs) Exactly. And I wanted to be as close to the action as possible while still being an employee. And as I kind of researched a little bit about the different ways of doing that, you know, you could go into venture and you could kind of be investing in companies, but then you're not doing the operations side of things. You could go into operations, but maybe you get kind of pigeonholed very narrowly in operation, you know, so there's kind of different tracks that you could take depending on what kind of founder you want it to be. I wanted to basically get as much as a a little bit of a taste of everything that I could. And so through that, I discovered that there was this chief of staff role 
that kind of could fulfill that. And mm-hmm. you have to be careful, I think, depending on the type of chief of staff that you want to be. And I'm sure you you know this too, because we've met a lot of the same chiefs of staff at the different groups and stuff. But there are different types of chief of staff, depending on the type of company and the stage of company. So if yeah. you're at a Series C startup, your chief of staff job may be doing a lot of investor reporting, doing dashboards, tracking OKRs, being very, very heads down on helping the executive communicate. If you're at a you know seed stage company or pre-seed, which is what I was, which is what you were, Amanda, like basically you do whatever is too much work for the founder to do, but not enough work for the founder to hire. Right. So it's like you might have five or six different types of roles or jobs and they wouldn't hire one person for each of those different roles, but they'll hire one person to handle all of them. <laughs> and I think that you're right that that's, it's such a great experience to be in the chief of staff role for that reason. If you are kind of starting out as a generalist and maybe you're interested in learning a bit about every function, it's, it's an incredible way to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if you want to be a founder, if you mm-hmm. want to be a founder. Yeah. Yeah. So my specific role and, and, the lower you get down on stage, the more variety and the more different the chief of staff role is from other chiefs of staff at that stage. So like Series C chiefs of staff probably have more in common in terms of what they're mm-hmm. doing, perhaps, than a, a seed. So what I did was I ran most of our hiring. I ran most of our growth. And I kind of got our enterprise sales off the ground when we pivoted to B2B. There were periods of time where each of those things was like my sole focus, and then it would basically fade to the background and I would keep it running while getting the next thing off the ground. Like we hired a bunch of people early on in my tenure, and then I kind of kept the hiring going while I spun up the growth with one of the co-founders, for example. It was kind of similar to your chief of staff role, Amanda, but that was kind of how mine ran. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was very wise that you said at later stage startups, the chief of staff role might look more similar to other chiefs of staff because the organization is a bit more mature and the needs are just a bit more predictable. And when you're at a seed stage company, everything is up in the air, like everything needs attention, but like different things are in focus at different times. And so similarly to you, I started sort of doing one one piece of operations and then moved to another thing. I started by working on growth and was more like consumer product focused. I would also help with investor relations and communications internally and externally. And also I was like the team culture lead. I would plan the offsites and, and do those kinds oh, of yeah. fun activities. And then as the product progressed more and more, and we also realized that we needed to pivot towards more of a B2B product and a B2B growth motion, I helped them spin up their product-led sales engine, basically. Mm-hmm. And... I think that that's such a common theme that a lot of startups are going through that I hear. Same thing for some of my clients. They are starting as consumer products. They're realizing that the market maybe is not the best fit for a consumer product or the people who are most likely to pay for this product are the company rather than the individual, even if the benefit does come back down to the individual employee. So my experience as chief of staff was also kind of varied. And, you know, you would play other roles too. Like I would do some customer support and I would guide a bunch of our weekly and monthly team meetings. And it's funny, like our chief of staff experience, I think, is more similar to each other's than some of the other people I've met from other chief of staff network type of folks. And that's that's really cool. You don't often find somebody that you can like relate as one to one when you're at such an early stage company. 
Yeah, and I think part of that is because, like, how we met. We met basically because we had a growth advisor in common. Yep. Because we had some of the same growth challenges. Um, yeah. I'm curious to know if you felt like your corporate experience translated any tangible learnings or skills that helped you in the chief of staff role. Because I think it's a little bit of a contested subject. For example, a lot of chief of staff roles will require you to have consulting experience. And I was just debating with my friend the other day that I think this is totally ridiculous and unnecessary because most of the skills that were wholly important in consulting are not the same skills that were valued at the startup. But I'm really curious from your experience working at Google, if a lot of the mindset and mentality and skills actually translated and set you up well for the chief of staff position. So good question. I actually do agree with you that I don't think consulting experience is necessary at the seed stage level. Right. You need to learn how to be an operator, not like a woo the client, come in with your executive presence kind of thing. Like that's not the most valued and... When I started at a seed stage company, I had to completely change my mindset from all of the things that I'd learned were most important in consulting and like throw that out the window. (laughs) Right. Because a lot of times like in consulting, you're manipulating data, you're manipulating like evidence. And in seed stage startup, you don't have that yet. There is none. There's nothing. And so there's nothing to optimize. And if you do try to optimize, you're kind of like overfitting your solution to the problem and you're Mm -hmm. like burning a lot of time. Um, Right. What I got from the corporate, I think it really depends on your personal work approach in addition to the opportunities you're given in the corporate world. Because I had friends that were much more suited to the corporate world than I was, and yet we were doing the same corporate work. I was approaching it with a startupy mindset because that's more intrinsically who I am. And also I had a startup experience in college. So I think even if you're at a corporation or a big firm or something, you can have a startup-y type experience, even though the work that you're doing is not startup-y. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was not that much of a shock. What I think I brought from the corporate world was a sense of like operational rigor and executional excellence that like I had, and, and I think some of the other people who I worked with at the startup who had also been at bigger companies, they were similarly like used to a certain level of, well, we should have a process for this. Well, we should have a, you know. Process? Like, I don't even know her. <laughs> It's like, you know what it tastes like, or you know what it feels like. So if it's not there, you're like, why is this not here? Whereas if you don't know what it feels like, because you've only been in startups your whole life, or if you don't know, you don't know what you're missing, then you just have a hard time, I think, like building processes, building executional excellence. So that's mm-hmm. I brought, hey, at Google, this was maybe overkill how many processes we had, but I can borrow 20% of them. Yes. And bring them over. Yeah, it sounds like you're able to bring in a mindset that maybe the startup founders don't have, or maybe some of the other people on the on the team don't have. But I agree with you. It's like a fine line that you walk. It's not we want to take all of the bureaucratic policies and bring them to a startup. It's just to bring over the right amount of process and organization so that everything feels a little bit more organized and succinct and not like we're always scrambling and running around in circles at the startup. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that's great. What was the question you were going to ask me? What your experience was like in consulting, what, what could you bring to the chief of staff role? So my experience in consulting wound up being very workshop oriented. 
So I wound up working for the marketing organization and I would teach marketing strategy workshops to our client teams. So we would have one big client and then all of the different brands that would work underneath that company. We would actually develop these workshops for them. They were interactive. They were really fun. They were engaging. And it was to teach operational rigor to the marketing teams to help them understand like, how do you go through the process of doing customer understanding, doing your research, writing out your journeys, figuring out what the pain points are and what are the moments that you have to win at? And then how do you actually quantify all of this and look back at your strategy with numbers and intelligence and insights? Mm-hmm. So... A lot of my job in the last like two to three years actually wound up being just bringing your excitement, your knowledge, your skills to these brand teams. And a lot of that was about having executive presence when I was honestly kind of young, <laughs> running running a workshop at a client when you're 25. You, you just kind of feel like, I, I don't even know if anybody will listen to me. But so it requires you to develop that client relationship management, to learn to be mature, to learn to talk with executives, to learn to have confidence in a room full of people that are all older than you. And those are just not the skills that wound up being important at Poised. It was just so much more of like getting in the weeds, getting my hands dirty, actually running the marketing campaigns and working on growth. It was so different than teaching other people how to do it. And and maybe that sounds silly, but... I wasn't hands-on in consulting. I was very divorced from the actual campaigns and the actual outcomes of all of those, which is a lot of the reason that I didn't enjoy consulting and I knew it wasn't going to be for me in the long term. I felt like I needed to get more involved in the day-to-day operations of a company. I wanted to be way closer to actual outcomes. I wanted to run things myself. I wanted to mess things up and, you know, make mistakes. Like, but you, you can't do that when you're so far away from the actual solutions and consulting. So when I first came into the company, I was like spending all this time making like really nice polished decks and these presentations. And the founders literally said, don't ever make a PowerPoint again. Just like write it in a Google doc. And I was like, Yeah. What? <laughs> like, are you kidding world. me? I'm like, are you going to send this out? Like, is it going to go to someone? Because like, this looks terrible. But yeah. it's just it's the different. mindset is so different. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I forget where I got this from. I think I got it from one of my old co-founders. But basically, like, adopting the fidelity to the situation. And basically, like, you don't need 4K resolution right. for everything. Like, if you're running 4K resolution and your screen is like your car's car play screen, like it's overkill. <laughs> Wait, that's a great analogy. That That's yeah, good. If you can like adapt the level of like depth and resolution and fidelity to the medium and to the opportunity, that's what you have to do. Like yes. you just have to say, yeah, a Google Doc with 12 links is good enough. <laughs> yeah, for- yeah. Which hilarious. Like if I ever gave that to my manager in consulting, he would have like sent right. me back to PowerPoint school, you know, like right. It, right. that's so true. And I just did a recent episode about learning about the depth that you need to learn at a startup in order to succeed. And I think that this theme plays in great because you don't need to go overkill on every single topic area or project that you work on. You need to know how deep and how wide you need to go in order to successfully turn out a campaign or, you know, a uh, investor relationship, like whatever it is, you need to be able to look at each task or opportunity and think about how much time and energy and effort you can actually put into that as compared to the seven other things on your plate and how you can do like yeah. 
not just the baseline, you know, we're aiming for something a little bit above the baseline, but how you can do well enough at many tasks and be fairly successful at all of them. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. a lot of your work is not the actual work. It's creating work for yourself to do. So you have mm-hmm. to kind of figure out what you're going to do. Yep. And then creating work for yourself is triaging a ton of opportunities and figuring out which one is worthwhile. That is also a huge mindset shift from working for a big company. The strategy is set by people four or five seats above you, usually when you work in a large corporation like at Google or at Accenture. And your job is to say, okay, I'm going to execute this project to the best of my ability. But as soon as you get into a seed stage startup and you're in a chief of staff or chief of staffy type of role, the founders are going to ask you what you're going to work on and why. (laughs) Like, what's the strategy? And I was like, yeah. All right. Let me define the strategy. And that's a totally different muscle to be building. Exactly. Yeah. E- even just the, the muscle too of creating work for yourself is hard because mm-hmm. in a corporation, you create work for yourself on like promo projects. Like, oh, I want to get promoted. So like, let me right. go above and beyond and like create this project. But in a startup, in the like meat of your work, you're basically given what to do and you're doing it. At a startup, it's like every project is that feeling of the promotion project where it's like, well, they told me to grow the number of users. Do I want to do that through TikTok? If so, I got to learn TikTok. Do I want to do that through Google ads? If so, I got to learn, you know, like everything is creating your own work. And some days you don't have anything to do and you're like, I got to figure out some way to advance our goals with a brand new project that I haven't talked about with anybody. I just got to come up with a list of 12 links (laughs) and and send it to my manager on potential ideas, you know? So, yeah, I, I totally share in that experience with you. Did you find it difficult as a chief of staff? I think oftentimes that person is fairly isolated. Like they don't, they don't belong to a a team or like a sub team. So you don't have your built in people to brainstorm with and come up with a strategy and have a sounding board for any of your crazy ideas. So how was your experience dealing with that? That's very lonely and very hard. I think for me, my main peer in terms of work was one of the co-founders and I got him for like half an hour a day because he was so busy. And so I, that's even a lot to have half an hour a day with a co-founder. I would say that's even more than I would get over Slack and stuff. Yes. But if you're talking about like FaceTime, that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. But all that to say that, like if that half an hour got canceled or got moved, I'd be like, dang it. I had like 14 things that I have to get unblocked or that I have to brainstorm that I'm stuck on. And you know, it's like anytime there's, scarcity like that you start getting protective of that time or you start getting like worried if that time gets shifted or you know so for me that was very hard and i never found a solution to it um we Mm -hmm. hired a growth person for a few months who uh was that to me in a way and that was really fun and i was like oh man i've missed this it's been like a year and a half without having this but we ended up ending that and so we never cracked it did you did you ever feel like you cracked it Honestly, ditto. I think the hardest part was I would brainstorm a little bit with my coworkers, just people on different teams, just based on who was most interested in the projects that I was working on. So eventually I did kind of find that it wasn't with anybody who was necessarily like growth oriented, but just people on the team who had a genuine interest. But I think the toughest part for me was that 
I also considered one of the co-founders, the CEO, to be my sounding board and sort of other growth-minded person on the team. Yes. But that's very intimidating because that person is not your peer. Yeah, um, yeah. Exactly. And like that power dynamic has all these other expectations about how uh, when the boss asks for XYZ, I come with answers and I know that these are good ideas and that this is something that's worth their time discussing and this is something that's worth the company's money yes. to execute on. And that's very scary when you don't have a person or two before you get to the boss to say, hey, can I run this idea by you? I, I Maybe it's like total garbage, but I also think it has some big potential. And you have to have those conversations directly with the CEO. And that to me was intimidating. Eventually, I kind of got used to it, but it's hard. It's hard not having like genuine peers. It's very hard. Yeah, it's very hard. This has been such an amazing chat. I really appreciate having you here. And I really appreciate the relationship that we have developed over the past, I don't know, year or so. And that we've been able to have these really sort of aligned conversations about our experience. And so I appreciate you sharing that also with uh, the listeners today. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been it's been a joy. 